0: London, New York, Barcelona. Today from Ireland, you can fly to almost any place. But what if you could fly to any time? If you could experience events that changed the world, if you could meet the people who lived through history, would you do it? Welcome to a new series of time travels, the programme where we explore the past. Are you ready? Ready? Fasten your seatbelts. It could be a bumpy journey. OK, we've landed, and we seem to be in some kind of a factory. According to my calculations, this is Manchester, and we're in a cotton mill at the time of the Industrial Revolution.
1: Hiya. I haven't seen you before. You're new. Well, it's my third month here. Just finished up dinner and we'll have to go back into work soon. Been in since five this morning. We work straight through most of the day and we'll be in till about nine or ten tonight. But sometimes it's eleven or twelve. I'm practically asleep on my feet by then. It's tough going. My family came over from Castle Bar. Mayo. Do you know it? Loads of people here from Ireland. Mostly Donegal, I think. They all seem to know each other. So excited before I came. But I really miss home now. It's so grey here. Dirty smoke everywhere. I swear, I was coughing for the whole first week. They all said I'd get used to it. And I suppose I have. The first day here was the toughest, I think. Because I didn't know what to expect. I mean, I knew it would be hard work, but... (sighs) Ah. Things weren't easy at home There's no denying that We couldn't stay We would have been sent to the workhouse for sure But things were okay Before my father died We didn't have much but we had each other And when the work was done There was always a little time Just to sit and be together Maybe chat a bit At the time we thought nothing of it But when I look back now It seems like heaven Anyway my little sister peggy's walking here too you see her over there she's half asleep only 6 years old we have to get up at 4am and i usually just carry her here on my back poor creature she sleeps as long as she can but once she's here she knows that she must be lively she has to pick up the loose cotton that falls on the floor easy enough you might think well actually it's not After a little while of stooping down on your hands and knees with the sounds of these machines booming around you and the poisonous dust that sticks in your throat, you start to feel sick. I saw one kid who sat down for a second, just one second, tried to get his breath back. And Mr Jones, he roared at him so much that the child looked as if he might faint. Mr Jones doesn't usually beat the small kids, but if he notices them getting sleepy... He sometimes picks them up by the legs and dunks them in a big barrel of cold water. That wakes them up all right. Poor little things shivering afterwards. Peggy only had it done once and it was enough. She keeps up and about now as best she can. I do worry about her. Some of the little ones have to scurry in under the machines to collect the cotton. But they have to be quick enough to get out in time or else they'll be squashed. And I've seen it happen. You don't come out of that well, I can tell you. There's been children killed before. Getting caught in the machines. And older ones getting hands caught. Arms ripped off. I don't like to think about it too much. But I try to keep an eye on Peggy. Give her a little wink. Or make a face at her if she seems to be slowing down. I'm hoping as she gets older it'll get easier for her. You can only hope. Ah, that's the master calling us back into work. i better go. Good chatting to you, though.
0: should find out a bit more about the Industrial Revolution.
2: Ask an expert.
3: My name's Katie Belshaw. I'm Curator of Industrial Heritage at the Science and Industry Museum. I look after the objects that we have here in the museum and I decide which ones we put on display and what stories we tell about them.
4: What was the Industrial
3: Revolution? Well, the Industrial Revolution began about 250 years ago and it was a period of really big change when people started to live and work in completely different ways. Um, New ideas spread quickly. Inventors created new machines powered by steam engines that could make things much more quickly than people could by hand. New factories were built in towns like Manchester, where hundreds of people ran these machines and gathered together, working really long hours. And the way people and goods moved around also changed. So for the first time, towns were connected by railways, so passengers and things like food and coal and cotton could move much more quickly around the country. And during this time, lots of people got very rich. However, many other people suffered because of the changes that happened. What was life like during the Industrial Revolution? It must have been quite exciting to live with so many new inventions and ideas and for lots of people there were new opportunities to make money, to experiment with new technology, to learn new things and to travel. Um, But for lots of other people life was very hard during this time. So here in Manchester, although factory owners got very rich selling the cloth that they made in their mills, their workers had a completely different experience. Many of Manchester's factory workers moved here from other places, including Ireland, to work in the cotton industry because they saw an opportunity to get better wages in the mills. But so many people moving so quickly into the town caused problems. There weren't enough houses to go around and there were no facilities like running water and toilets. So many people had to live in small cramped houses on dirty streets. And on top of this, they were working really long hours in Manchester's mills doing hard, heavy, dangerous work. So life was very tough for many workers and it took a long time for things to get better.
4: What were the most important inventions of the Industrial Revolution?
3: One of the most important inventions was Richard Arkwright's water frame. It was a machine that could spin cotton into thread. Before it was invented, people spun cotton at home by hand. It took a long time and they couldn't make very much of it. So, water frames could make much more than it was possible to make by hand. And they were installed in huge new factories that brought people out of their homes and into the factories to work. The inventor, Richard Arkwright, got very rich selling his thread and selling his machines. And he proved that machines could successfully work um, and that people could come together in factories to increase the amount of products that could be made. So lots of people copied him and he set an example and sort of kick-started the changes that happened during the Industrial Revolution.
4: What were the most dangerous jobs that children did during the Industrial Revolution?
3: Well, some of the most dangerous jobs were done by children working in the textiles industry, so children working in places like Manchester The factories were really hot, they were dusty, they were noisy, they were full of moving machinery. And because children were small, they could fit underneath the machines. And so lots of them were sent to sweep the floors and the machines whilst they were moving. And these children were known as scavengers. And there were other children who were known as pieces, who had to fix the cotton threads that broke on the spinning machines. Sometimes children got their clothes or their fingers caught in these moving machines and it caused some terrible injuries. And another area of work that was very dangerous for children was working down the mines. Children had to work in the dark, in cold and wet and cramped conditions. Some of them had to drag heavy carts full of coal, and others had to open trap doors to let the carts through, and it was really lonely, tiring work.
4: Did children who worked during the Industrial Revolution go to school?
3: Well, at the beginning of the Industrial Revolution, children didn't have to go to school by law, and also school wasn't free. So that meant that most children who worked didn't go to school, or they might have gone for a few hours on a Sunday to get some basic schooling from a school that was run by a charity. But then later, laws were passed that said children working in factories had to go to school for part of the day. So children would either do their factory work in the morning and then go to school in the afternoon, or the other way around and these children were known as half-timers because their days were split in two halves of different work.
4: When did the law change to protect children from working dangerous jobs?
3: Well, it took a long time for the law to change. At the beginning of the Industrial Revolution, there was no protection for any workers, including children. Then people started to campaign for change, and different laws were passed, which were all brought together in a law of 1878 that said no children under 10 were allowed to work. And by then, new safety laws were also brought in, so they stopped children doing the most dangerous jobs, like working down the mines or working on moving machinery. And they also employed factory inspectors who were sent off to the mills to keep an eye on the employers to make sure they were looking after the safety of their workers. (laughs)
2: The early 1800s was a time of great change in the way that goods were produced. The Industrial Revolution brought many new inventions that made it quicker, cheaper and easier to weave cotton, linen and all kinds of clothing. Although this was good news for many people, it also caused hardship for others. This is the story of the Luddites. During the Industrial Revolution... Many big changes happened in the way that things were manufactured. Some of the new machines could produce a hundred times more goods than a person could by hand. Before this machinery was invented, artisans spent years and years training in order to become skilled weavers and textile workers. The new inventions meant that there were far less need for skilled artisans who made cloth in their own homes, as the goods could now be produced cheaply in a factory by unskilled workers. This meant that the skilled artisans would no longer be paid as much money for their labour, and in many cases, they were out of a job. Fashions were also beginning to change, and so there was less need for artisans who could produce hosiery or tights for men, as they began to wear trousers instead. All of these things made life more difficult for skilled workers, who weren't needed anymore. In 1811, many weavers in Nottingham and Derbyshire in England decided that they had to protest and so they began to smash factory machinery. These people were called Luddites and they destroyed about a thousand machines. They said that their leader was a man called General Ned Ludd in Sherwood Forest, a former weaver who had himself smashed looms and wanted all of the skilled textile workers to fight for their livelihoods. Historians now believe that Ned Ludd was not a real character, but made up by the Luddites in order to rally the supporters and to scare the factory owners and the government. By 1811, other groups of Luddites were also fighting in Lancashire and Yorkshire, destroying machinery and, in some cases, burning the factories to the ground. The government responded to the attacks by making it a capital crime to damage machinery and they carried out very harsh punishments for those involved. Many Luddites were hanged and many others were transported to Australia. By 1813 the movement was over and the skilled artisans had to accept that the factories and machinery were there to stay. Although the industrial revolution brought new more efficient ways of producing goods It also brought terrible hardship to many people. Today, people use the term Luddite to describe someone who doesn't like new technology. But the history is a little more complicated than that. In fact, the Luddites were fighting for the right to a proper wage for their skilled work and trying to protect their livelihoods.
0: in the Science and Industry Museum in Manchester, Katie Belshaw is going to show us around.
3: So we're standing in the textiles gallery here at the Science and Industry Museum in Manchester. And this is a gallery all about how cotton changed people's lives in Manchester. So we're looking at a very tiny pair of clogs, which is a type of shoe. These clogs would have been lent to children living in Manchester who didn't have shoes of their own. And they didn't have shoes of their own because their families couldn't afford to buy them shoes. Lots of the families worked in the cotton industry in Manchester. And even though they could earn good wages in the cotton industry, sometimes they found themselves without a job. And that was when they struggled to earn money to buy clothes Food and even a place to live. So, charities would lend shoes to children, but they would have been stamped with a little mark saying, Do not sell these shoes to stop poor children selling them to buy food. So this is a very beautiful cotton dress and it's made out of cotton that was spun and woven here in Lancashire. And the reason why cotton was important is because when people first discovered it here in Manchester, which was about 500 years ago when it was brought over from India, they couldn't get enough of this cotton. It was really light, it was washable, it could be printed with beautiful patterns. It was much nicer than the heavy, itchy, woollen clothes that they were used to wearing. So that was why there was such demand for cotton, and that was why here in Manchester, lots of inventors started to try and find ways to produce more of it to meet this incredible demand for this beautiful new cloth. The machines that we've got in front of us all do different jobs to turn raw cotton into finished cloth and they would have all run in mills in Manchester for up to 12 hours a day. We've got machines that would have cleaned the cotton, got out all the dirt and all the seeds from it from when it had been picked out of the fields. We've got machines that would have combed it all and smoothed it out. We've got machines that would have spun the cotton to make thread and then finally we've got machines to weave the cotton into the cloth Some of these machines are almost 130 years old, so they come from about the 1880s, and some of them are a bit more modern, so some of them were made in the 1950s, and that was the time when mills in Lancashire started to close down, and so the museum rescued all these machines from mills in Lancashire and brought them to the museum so that we could look after them and keep them running.
1: Did you know that some miners took canary birds in cages down the mine... If it breathed in dangerous gas, the canary fainted and the miners knew they had to escape, quickly. Weird, but true.
3: The reason why Manchester doesn't have a big cotton industry anymore is because in about 1914, Manchester stopped being able to compete with other countries that could make cloth much more cheaply than Manchester was able to. So what we've got in front of us here is a clock that's got two faces and it would have been in a mill in Macclesfield, which is close to Manchester. And the reason it's got two faces is because it tells two different times. The first face shows the real time but the face underneath it shows what was known as mill time, and this clock was connected to the water wheel in the mill, so it only went round when the water wheel was running, and the machines also would have only moved when the water wheel was running. So if the water wheel stopped, the machine stopped, and time also stopped. So you couldn't go home until mill time said it was your home time, so it was a way of the employers keeping an eye on how much work their workers were doing. (laughs) This is a picture of Richard Arkwright and he invented the water frame and he was a very rich man because he sold the yarn that was made in his mills but he also sold the machines to other factory owners so they could use them in their factories. What we've got in front of us here is a collection of shippers tickets and what these were were kind of early logos that Style manufacturers would have put on the cotton that they made to sell it all over the world. And they thought carefully about what designs would appeal to different customers all over the world. So there's a huge variation in the colours and the designs that you have on these shippers tickets.
0: The Industrial Revolution changed the way that people worked and lived. Some people became very rich thanks to the new machinery and technology, but others became even poorer. Before there were laws in place, children often suffered as workers without rights. In America in the late 19th century, one Irish woman was determined to bring about change. This is the story of Mother Jones. Mary Harris Jones was born around the year 1837 in County Cork to a very poor family. Mary's father, Richard, emigrated to America for a better life and soon the whole family followed him. Mary became a teacher and she soon started a family of her own. She lived in Memphis with her husband and four children. Sadly, Mary's happy life was torn apart when a terrible disease called yellow fever swept through the city. Despite Mary's best efforts to take care of them, tragically her husband and four children died. Somehow, Mary was spared and she selflessly began to tend to the other sick people in Memphis. When she had done all she could, she decided it was time to begin a new life and she moved to Chicago, where she began a dressmaking business. Mary worked hard in Chicago, But misfortune struck again in 1871, when a huge fire engulfed the city. This was known as the Great Chicago Fire, and as a result of it, hundreds of people died and thousands were left homeless. Mary's dressmaking business was destroyed. It was another terrible loss for Mary, but she still felt fortunate that she had survived the fire. She understood that she must simply start again, as she had done before. And it wasn't long until she found a new purpose for her life. Mary had always understood that workers, like herself, had very few rights and were often badly treated by their employers. So Mary decided to join the Knights of Labour, a trade union that fought for better conditions for workers. Before long, Mary was not only attending the meetings of the trade union, but giving speeches at rallies, demanding better conditions for workers. She had found a new talent, and many people came from far and wide to hear what she had to say. They began to call her Mother Jones, and soon she was very famous. It was at one of Mother Jones' rallies that a young boy approached her and asked if she would consider helping to fight for child workers' rights. And with that conversation, the course of Mother Jones' life changed again mother jones decided that she had to learn more about the lives of child workers and so she went undercover in a mill to find out as much as she could sadly her worst fears were confirmed the working conditions for children were terrible boys and girls as young as six years old started their workday at 5:30 a.m and did not finish until 7 p.m in the evening The machinery was very dangerous and many terrible accidents happened, with children being badly hurt and, in some cases, losing their lives. In the mines, conditions were even worse and children worked up to 14 hours a day in the dark, stooping in cold, knee-deep mud. Mother Jones had seen enough and she knew that something had to be done. The government of the United States knew that conditions for working children were bad, but they had not put laws in place to protect them. This was what Mother Jones wanted, but it was nearly impossible to get the government's attention. She knew that she had to do something that they couldn't ignore, and soon came up with a plan. She decided to march from Philadelphia to Washington, giving speeches along the way, and she brought around 200 child workers with her. This became known as the Children's Crusade. Many of the children on the march had suffered terrible injuries in factories and mines, and so people could see for themselves the dangers involved. Mother Jones had hoped that the Children's Crusade would force the government to change the law, and in Washington, she demanded to speak to the president himself. Although this didn't happen, the Children's Crusade had succeeded in drawing attention to the terrible working conditions faced by children. The Crusade was an important first step in the fight to protect child workers. After the Children's Crusade, Mother Jones continued to give speeches, even spending time in prison for her activities. She died in November 1930 and is remembered as a very important figure in the fight for better working conditions, which still continues today around the world. Home sweet home, and the airport is just as busy as ever. And like I said, you can fly to almost anywhere or any time. So, where do you want to go next? This programme was funded by the Broadcasting Authority of Ireland with the television licence fee.